When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hour two of the game, the game after work, guys. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Penultimate show for the week. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're on for uh, just an hour and a half the next five shows. Thanks to uh, the Kansas City Royals. East Coast swing, baby. East Coast. uh, Actually, so Travion is gone for the rest of the week, so Troy's on the board. I forgot Trey is uh, going to Lollapalooza this weekend, so we're going to go to full recap on Monday. Who are the best? Who are the worst? He's going to see some Billie Eilish, some Red Hot Chili Peppers, Kendrick Lamar. Kids are going to love it. All right. Coming up uh, in our uh, second segment of the hour, we're going to step aside and let Mike Dabini tell us about... uh, KSA Soccer this year. They got their first exhibition in two days in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, let us know what uh, KSA Soccer is all about in 2023. We'll also do the same tomorrow for new K State volleyball coach Jason Mansfield. Get us uh, prepped what to expect with K State volleyball, new arena, and uh, 2023 getting started here very soon for K State volleyball. Conference realignment. What's the latest? Well, in the first hour, we covered Arizona, Arizona State, which feels like to me just hours away from making the move, and that's potentially going to happen. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll let that play out. Our number one podcast, NewsRadioKman.com, plus um, just search for the game on 1350K Man on wherever you listen to your podcast and keep up with what's going on. Uh, with mostly K-State sports, but now, of course, we're covering a lot of conference realignment. Uh, touch on Utah here in just a moment. Also, got to keep in mind, Oregon, Washington. Uh, the Big Ten presidents earlier today and chancellors had a discussion with the Big Ten Commish about the possibility exploring the idea of adding Oregon, Oregon and Washington in expansion also potentially Cal Stanford. They already got UCLA and USC. Now they're like, let's get back into this, baby. The Big 12 can do it. We can do just as much damage. As a matter of fact, we can help kill the Pac-12 with the Big 12. Uh, it didn't start there, but they might uh, with the uh, with the double tap there from uh, the Big 10 and the Big 12. So, you know, it also, you know, Big part of this, of course, is what's Oregon going to do, but it may not even be that far anymore of what is Oregon going to do. Can Oregon save the Pac-12? I'm, I'm not so sure I lean that way too much anymore. I mean, if Oregon was like, well, yeah, maybe we will stick around. Maybe uh, George Klyovkov in, in a few months will have a new deal. I, I, I'm not even sure Oregon's on board anymore. 
Washington is having a meeting later on tonight. They're Washington Board of Regents having a meeting uh, later. Actually, I may double check there. Yes, it is the Washington Board of Regents. We'll have a special meeting tonight at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, late meeting. Yeah, when I saw someone listing it as midnight Eastern time, I yeah. was like, what? They are in discussions and it's executive session to talk about a potential move. So Washington has gone as far as they're going to call a meeting. They're going to discuss it. Meanwhile, you have Arizona and Arizona State, it sounds like, now ready to go to the Big 12. Meanwhile, I tried to uh, schedule. (laughs) I reached out to a couple folks from Oregon State, and uh, nobody right now is quite ready to do those kind of interviews yet. Neither is Washington State or uh, Utah. What is going on with Utah? They've been a real thorn in people's side. So we haven't heard much from Utah. They have publicly and privately said they're linked to the Pac-12. They're pretty dedicated. But you got to expect, with the recent shift, this poor number that Apple threw at the Pac-12, it's a joke, and the deal expires at the end of the week. Nobody was taking that too seriously. But Utah is still committed to the Pac-12. I wanted to actually kind of go back and, and explore why is Utah so attached to the Pac-12 because Mark Hanlon, uh, Harlan rather, their AD, Taylor Randall, their president, they've been so committed to the Pac-12. They've been some of the biggest cheerleaders that you'll find in the Pac-12 that's not associated with Oregon State and Washington State. I'm talking with somebody with actual power. As in, I would go as far as today, like, I feel like Utah's the bigger brand than Washington. But... um, so Oregon, they've been in the now the Pac-12 for 11 years. Where does all this dedication come from? I think it starts back in 2008. 2008 is when Utah was undefeated. They went 13 and 0. They won the Mountain West. They were ranked in the top five or top 10 rather, but they weren't getting as much respect as they should have because they're in the Mountain West. But they still went week one and won at Michigan. They beat BYU. They beat a top 10 TCU team. And by the way, how did they finish off their season? They won the Sugar Bowl and beat number four Alabama. An amazing season for the Utes. But can only reach number four. And by the way, I'm sure what really ticked them off is that a national championship game was played between two one-loss teams. Florida and Oklahoma. And Utah has been, if you look at their numbers and their and their um, their records, ever since they've been in the Pac-12, ever since they finally got to the Pac-12, it took some scratching and clawing to get there, but they finally did. The Pac-12 finally let them in. And ever since, I mean, they've been pretty successful over the last 11 seasons. Utah's won five division championships. They've won the Pac-12 twice. They've played in two Rose Bowls. They played in the last two. They have seven nine-win seasons. I mean, you they got to be, just thinking off the top of my head, when it comes to the re- recent conference realignment and over the past decade and a half or so, and considering everybody that's leaped to a different conference, they got to be the ones with the best success, unless I'm forgetting about somebody. They honestly 
if you want to look at recent success, should be looked at a lot harder than what USC even was. Well, over the last 11 years, Utah has the third most wins overall in the conference with 96 over the last 11 years. And Oregon and USC, and USC barely, by the way, but Oregon and USC are the ones that top them. There's a lot of heartbreak going on right now with Utah Mm -hmm. because the Pac-12 has done so much for the University of Utah. From letting him into the conference, from them making more money to being a success in the Pac-12. But also, enrollments up, their sports facilities are enhanced. They've just overall as a university grown very positively in the right direction ever since Utah joined the Pac-12. So I, I understand where the commitment comes from. The Pac-12 let him in. Gave him a shot, believed in the Utah brand to make the Pac-12 stronger. And now the sadness for Utah is that their the love that they have for the Pac-12 is crumbling now. But they're also smart. I mean, they have some smart leadership. And it's to the point now where you gotta expect that Utah sees the writing on the wall. They are awake to the fact that that the Pac-12 is just about dead. I mean, we are literally, we could be literally hours away from the Pac-12 being dead, unsalvageable, and a couple of moves away from the Pac-12 and its history going up in smoke because of greed. I mean, if you think, I think it was Washington State's head coach earlier today was commenting about this, like five years ago, could you ever have expected college football to go this way college football like the pac-12 almost not existing anymore because of greed would you have predicted that five years ago no i would not have predicted that it was the pac-12 i would have thought that they would have been a conference that would have been among the survivors he also mentioned that like 20 years from now, are we going to look at college football and think, what the hell were we thinking? We're already doing that. I know, right? But the rich want to get richer. And in college athletics, if you want to compete, you got to have the TV deals. You got to have that money rolling in. Got to have the fiddle in the ba- Oh, wait, sorry. So Utah has to do something that they do not want to do at all, probably that they have no interest really in doing. But they see the writing on the roll, and they know that the, that the Pac-12 is sinking and they need the life preserver. And the Big 12, numerous times, Brett Yormark has numerous times, they've, they've talked, has given that life preserver to Utah. And I think it's just a matter of time that we start seeing the reports that Utah Board of Regents meeting, all these meetings are going to finally start taking place. As of now, nothing is scheduled. Utah has not scheduled a single meeting with its Board of Regents to discuss a move or to just to discuss the future, what to do. Nothing has been scheduled yet, but I think it has to be right around the corner. It has to be. They have done a tremendous job at keeping the behind the scenes out of the public eye. 
They really have. Other than what Mark Harlan has said, you're not hearing very many leaks coming out of Utah. Well, and I think you've said it before, like, do you think Utah is exactly thrilled about joining the same conference as BYU after they won over the Pac-12 and BYU didn't? Right. Yeah. And I will say, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know my thoughts about BYU. Just as a university, what you know the university believes in when it comes to morals and the treatment of human rights and treating people as equals. I have major issues with BYU. But if you want to talk rivalries and drawing eyeballs to a particular matchup, I think the Holy War would be pretty good for the Big 12. That would be a pretty good rivalry, a healthy rivalry for Big 12 goals, reaching numbers, reaching eyeballs, ratings, whatever. But the Big 12, or I should say the Utah, Utah couldn't be that far behind at this point. Arizona and Arizona State, and if they are, that's surprising. But we know that this whole thing can happen really quickly. And we don't know. That's the thing. Troy brought it up. They've been good at keeping the behind-closed-doors Ziplocked, tied up, throw away the key, not sure what's happening. And it's really unusual to me in the aspect that you've got two newspapers in that community and you've got two all-sports radio stations in that community. You would think that that would be an area where there would be details that kind of slip out here and there that someone in doing the digging would come up with something. And yet, it just continues to be quiet. So a couple of things to watch tonight as we wrap up the discussion on conference realignment, unless you got anything else to say, because it's kind of a minute-by-minute thing, unless you saw something, because I know there have been more talks. And I, John Canzano was on Dan Patrick earlier today. I don't know if we aired that hour, but again, was trying to – spin the Pac-12 situation as positive as he could and saying right now Oregon has all the control right now. It's like it's to the point, you know, maybe they still do have a little bit of control, but now we're about to see Arizona and Arizona State make the jump. So I'm not exactly sure how much power Oregon has at this point. Now that the Big Ten is showing interest once again in Oregon and Washington, it's to the point now where the university president's are like, all right, let's reopen the case. Let's talk specifics. Let's talk about, all right, is this now time to make the move? That's where Washington and Oregon are right now, and and, and still to be seen, still to be discussed is, is Stanford and Cal. Meanwhile, man, I'm telling you, I do truly feel bad about Washington State and Oregon State because – they're right now just trying to tread water. Meanwhile, that there's a drain to that water. Yeah, there but there but for the grace of God go I, if you want to look at it for K State. Yeah, there were you know, DG's been saying that earlier this week, right? That this could have been K State. He even said it last Absolutely. week. Like, this could be in K State situation. Absolutely could have been K State situation. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago that was that was the fear on the show a couple of years ago with Texas and Oklahoma mm-hmm. leaving. Are others going to get scared? 
is K-State going to get left behind? And I was like, you know, I don't know if K-State would necessarily be in that position, but I hear the argument. K-State would be in that position because the TV market is one of the smallest in all of Power 5. KU would be in that situation because, well, they don't play football at KU. Well, they've started to recently. They don't play football at KU. They're trying to. They don't play. <laughs> you get the point. They've put a team together. Yeah, well, a team. Hey, come on. They got a Heisman Trophy. <clears throat> Heisman <clears throat> Trophy candidate. Come on now. No, I'm, I'm, I'm I do not think of Jalen Daniels as a Heisman no. Trophy candidate. No. That's dreaming. Let me see. Let me check one more time because we're getting minute-by-minute minute stuff here. Right? K-State underscore uh, – oh, now I lost it here, but had a funny uh, picture put up of the the duck mascot for Oregon, three hats in front of him, <laughs> Big 10, Big 12, Pac-9. Nice. It's signing day, boys and girls. Where is Oregon going to go? All right, so just to recap here, again, two meetings taking place tonight. Uh, Arizona Board of Regents going to meet up to discuss, quote, possible legal advice and discussion regarding university athletics. There are some in that area when it comes to the media thinking that a deal can be done for Arizona and Arizona State to make the jump to the Big 12 very soon. Very soon could mean tonight, although I don't think so. Maybe. You don't know. Tomorrow, we'll see. But it could happen very soon. It can these things happen again very quickly. And also Washington Board of Regents meeting up today to basically have the same type of meeting. It's an executive session. Won't be able to watch it. But those meetings are going down. They virtually start late. Well, not at the same time, but you have at eight o'clock tonight. Well, let me see. Let's do the math here. That's eight o'clock. It is eight o'clock, right? For Arizona time? Yes. And nine o'clock in Washington. Okay. So under the cover of darkness at Washington. That doesn't make anybody suspicious at all. No. I haven't heard any more threats out of the ACC, have you? No. FSU's kind of shut it down today. I mean, you had Florida State holding a gun to the ACC's head yesterday. Uh, I was surprised they went as far as they did, but it was like, like, ACC, wake up. We got a terrible deal. It's time to get a better deal or we can be gone. Here's an idea. Actually play better football first. Clemson probably not far behind. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm I'm giving the floor to K-State Soccer. Media Day was earlier today. Had a uh, small media group show up and talk to head coach Mike Dabini at K-State Soccer to preview 2023, and that is coming up next. What a shock you to know I actually know the band. I, I mean, if you give somebody a hundred guesses of who this band is, I don't think anybody would get it. It's not a band. What are you talking about? Who do you believe it is? Well, no, you go ahead. Who do you believe it is? Vince? No. What? It's Don Felder. Heavy metal. Is that not a Vince song? Oh, whatever. 
I tried to sh- I tried to Shazam the song. Came up with Vince. I was like, who the hell is Vince? Ah, <laughs> uh, I try I try to catch you off guard. Post Eagles, Don Felder. You know, I do appreciate Eagles music when they all went solo. They yes. all had some jams, pretty much. They did. All right, let's continue on with the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale just failed miserably. Uh, I cannot believe we're already at season eight of K-State soccer. I It literally felt like yesterday Brian Smoller sent me an email congratulating me on me becoming the voice of K-State soccer, and I was for the first five seasons. Saw a lot of growth, man. Saw a lot of growth over those five years. A lot of memories. Um, I mean, some sadness mixed in as well. I mean, that was a tough grind through a lot of matches. A lot of disappointing losses. A lot of close calls against top 25 opponents. But history continues to be made. I'll never forget Hannah Davis and her her goal in 2017 up in Lawrence. And KU trying to score on the very last second. And Miranda Larkin makes an incredible save. And in the first hours, in the first ever soccer Sunflower Showdown, K State in their second year as a program went to Lawrence and beat the Jayhawks 1 0. I will never forget that matchup. That's one of my favorite games I've ever called. But what K State has been trying to develop over the years is depth. Having a two deep full of reliable players to go out and perform game after game at a high level. And that's where Mike Dabini feels like he has this 2023 team. The season starts with an exhibition on Saturday against Missouri State. Just after a couple of practices under their belts, here's Mike Dabini earlier today from K-State Soccer Media Day talking to the media about K-State Soccer in 2023. You mentioned having a lot of depth, but a lot of seniors and upperclassmen moved on from the program and now it's a really young team how do you think the youth will affect the team in 2023 that's a really good question um that was my probably my biggest concern even though we have a lot of depth the depth is coming from probably 20 i would say a couple dozen of underclassmen Mm -hmm. but the quality is good so you know the sooner we get the minutes um through the preseason i think it's only gonna help us get through our Big 12 season. Just the quality of play, uh, you can tell the comfortness and confidence on the ball, their decision-making, really good soccer players. Experience the physicality of the conference and the physicality of college soccer. And uh, once we get a few games under our belt, especially in the exhibition, I think that's gonna help us a lot. What does goalkeeper look look like? Replacing Wehrmeyer and and Harris, you're gonna have some newbies in there. Yeah, it's always a challenge to replace um, some really good goalkeepers that we had in the past. Um, But uh, I feel like we have a good combination of two keepers that will do a good job for us. Um, Both Morgan Hobbs, um, young, but has some some good experience playing at a high level club. And uh, Murphy, a national team goalkeeper from New Zealand that I think has a big presence in goal. So two two goalkeepers that we feel that, you know, once they get inside inside the matches and get some experience can can really, you know, help us in the, in the stretch. 
How do you feel about your depth, specifically with the defenders? Jasmine Brown, freshman last year, all freshman team in the Big 12. I mean, is it that young where you need her to be a leader? Do you have enough upperclassmen, enough depth that, you know, that, that role can definitely build with somebody else? That's an area we return a lot of players. Um, you have Jasmine Brown. You have Aaron Morrissey, who's been here for a while. You have Aliyah, who's healthy and back. Then you have Kelliano, who got some minutes last year. So, and then you have also Kenzie. So you have a core of five and then six players that we can rotate in and out, allow us to include some experience and players that I feel can contribute right away. We have some good freshmen in there that's going to come in and, and help uh, give us even more depth too. Do you have anybody that replaces a player like Kyler Goins who fast, tall, can be electric? You know, it's really hard to replace any of our players that have been special in the past, but like I said, I, I feel pretty good about uh, young young players coming in. Um, you know, we have players that understudied a little bit last year and Andrew Moeller with that speed and Riley Baker, who's gained some valuable experience. But then you throw in some freshmen, uh, Rylan Rintoul, Joe C, some freshmen that have some athletic ability and some speed. I think it's just the sky's the limit, like I said earlier. You know, it's just, it's just getting them out there, watching them, and then kind of go, going from there. Last year, you mentioned that it was the start of phase two of the program's building and this first step was making the Big 12 championship. What is the next step of phase two this year? You know, I think our expectation is to get back to the Big 12 championship. Can we get a result or more? Those are realistic goals that we, we try to strive for. Do we want more than that? Absolutely, what, which team doesn't? But I feel like, you know, that's a, that's a good starting point for us. what do you think about last year? I think K-State was top team in the conference in, in yellow cards. What do you think about that? And how do you address that moving forward into this year? I think they understand yellow cards can determine a lot at the end of the season um, with maybe results and placement of, you know, if you tiebreaker placement and so on. But I think that also shows that we were there to compete. Um, you know, some of those cards were given for different reasons. Um, some were probably physical play, or most was physical play, so that shows that we're, we're getting out there and doing the things we need to do to compete. What do you think about Colorado joining the conference? And, you know, what is their soccer program? What do you think they'll bring to the table? I mean, quality program. They had a really good coaching staff, very, very well coached. Um, and I think, you know, from a perspective of being in a Pac-12, they've, they've competed at a high level. Um, they've been top 25 in and out in the last five years that I've been watching them. So I think it brings another good uh, program into the, into the conference. What do you want to see Saturday against Missouri State? I'm sure you want to see a whole lot, but is there anything that really sticks out the most? You know, we've been training with each, against each other here for the last four or five days. Um, it's pretty competitive, but I want to see what we do against a different opponent. Um, you know, most of our team, they understand what we're doing because of our, our training philosophies in terms of what we're trying to do. I want to see what, how other teams respond to what we're trying to do without knowing what we're trying to do. So I think that's that's going to be important to us. Also, get an opportunity to look at our pretty large roster playing significant minutes. Um, you know, we broke up the matches into four 25-minute periods instead of two 45s to allow us to get everybody an opportunity to, to play. So I think that's that's really important for us. Once again, that's K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini. The season will start Saturday with an exhibition at Missouri State. Uh, that's a noon start, and then uh, two days later, they're going to play at Arkansas for another exhibition on August 7th, and then the uh, 
regular season will officially begin at Green Bay on August 17th. That's a Thursday at 3 o'clock. That'll be an ESPN Plus broadcast in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And they travel to at number 18 Northwestern. And then the home opener at Boozer Family Park will be August 24th, a Thursday night, 7 o'clock kick against UTSA. All right, so quickly, my question. This came up on Are You Garbage on their latest episode. So let's say a couple is together for like 18 months. They celebrate a one-year anniversary. They break up. A couple of years go by. This couple gets together again. Should should there be another one-year anniversary celebration? Oh. You understand what I'm saying? Like, is there just a continuation? Or is right. it completely hitting the reset button? And acting like, you know, that first anniversary was whatever. We're going to do this again. I would say probably the reset button. Yeah. Just just for the aspect of keep it romantic. But the thing is, it's not like they started from scratch. Like they were a brand new couple when the relationship started. and Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, Yeah. it's like start off where you left off, right? Unless like an engagement was broke off or something. And it's like, okay, maybe don't go that fast. But I'm also like, if you broke up, should you be getting back together? Yeah, there's that question mark as well. All right, what do you got? When I was doing UNC games, I would put out on social media day of what my game day playlist was. If you had to have one song on that playlist every time, what would it be? My game day playlist... And you ask a hard, hard question. Because obviously that playlist would change all the time. Sure. But obviously I would have to have Kokomo by the Beach Boys (laughs) on that playlist. (laughs) Followed by um, In the Jungle, The Mighty Jungle, The Lion Sleeps Tonight by The Tokens. Okay. Um, I would add on the theme song to Kenan and Kel. And then why not, while we're at it, speaking of theme songs, let's side on Family Matters. What about you? For crying out loud. What's your song or two uh, or three? Prince? Oh, little Prince thrown in, usually Baby I'm a Star, but for good measure, make sure you close it with Public Enemy and bring the noise. Hold on. No Debbie Gibson? Hush. Oh my God. You, you don't love her that much. Sports, weather. Your source for information 24-7. This is News Radio, KMAN, Manhattan.